0: Drops in, you know, it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune into DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks who speak, making your voice heard by voting. Hey, you know, you can register to vote at vote.org because gamers deserve to be heard too. And it is time right now to be a gamer and celebrate games, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Casper and Linode. They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard, I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend-slash-co-host-slash-nemesis, the guy who is still working on getting that gold medal, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian.
1: Hello, Jeff. Dude, I got to uh, help host an Alamo Drafthouse screening of Star Wars 4, 5, and 6 here in LA over the weekend, Um, the beautiful Ace Theater downtown. It was the special editions, which is kind of like, meh. (sighs) But also, Empire on the big screen. Wow. Holy stuff, moly, huh? man. It was the stuff dreams are made of. That's cool. Uh, me, so I, think I, got, I got a gold medal for that. I got,
0: uh, <laughs> I got Olympic fever, man. I'm watching nonstop Olympics. I love it. I, I love the Olympic times. It's uh, so who's your, it who's good. Who's your squad? USA, USA? Is that what you mean to say? Suicide? Oh, no, not that. No. <laughs> USA, USA, I'm, um, you know, it's kind of the antidote for a lot of the negativity that's happened in the last few months, feeling good about competition and, you know, kids working hard and being rewarded for hard work. Ah, That's so great. The little Ledecky girl last night, whoo, that was so fun to watch. Anyway, uh, this is not a Olympics podcast, it's a gaming podcast and we have a great guest to help us talk about all the news and games of the day. We got lots of news to talk about. Uh, and you know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but once again this week we are so glad that DLC stands for Directing the Legacy of the Chief, because we have the creative director at 343 Industries on Halo 5, and one of the hosts of the podcast Dame, uh, Dev Game Club, friend of the show, Mr. Tim Longo. Welcome back, Tim.
2: Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me back. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, we're excited to have you. Since we last spoke, which was uh, last March, I think was when you were on, uh, you have started a podcast, and it's you and another uh, seasoned dev uh, in the game community talking about sort of classic games and the impact that they've had, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, we have, totally. Um, <clears throat> we're a few months in. Weekly podcasting comes out on Wednesdays. Um, yeah, it was. A, it's just a cool... Something I've been wanting to do for a long time, um, heavily inspired slash rip, ripping off <laughs> a game club uh, kind of segment that uh, Rebel FM used to do, where they would play a game um, slowly over the course of a few weeks, and then you know the audience can play along with, with them, and then they would try to have a guest on, et cetera. But I always wanted to do something like that from a developer's perspective. So I uh, convinced somebody of mine, Brett Duville, who is a lead programmer, ex-lead programmer at uh, Bethesda worked on Skyrim and and fallout and stuff. And, uh, he's, he's independent right now, but yeah, we just play, we pick a game kind of in the, you know, retro sense and, um, try to basically geek out and go super deep and, you know, kind of (laughs) over, overanalyze it, um, week by week as we play a little bit by little bit. And then we try to get, you know, as, as Rebel FM did, we try to get a, a guest from that worked on the actual, uh, game at the last episode of the series. So we've done, I don't know, like half a dozen, five or so games so far. And we've been really lucky. We've had some really good, really good guests on Ken Levine, Tim Schaefer. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have uh, bill Ropers coming up as a bit of a spoiler for the people listening to the Warcraft one um, right now and, uh, Janusz Flosser. so yeah, it's been fun.
0: It's awesome. It's a great listen. And you can find that, uh, and on iTunes and,
1: and on RSS, uh, and it's called Dev Game Club.
2: Yep, devgameclub.com as well.
1: Cool. If you want to jump into one, uh, the Ken Levine retrospective on System Shock. Holy moly. Um, <laughs> and pretty incredible, pretty incredible insight from three knowledgeable people. Unlike this show, where since we have Tim on, we have one knowledgeable person. Oh yeah. uh, <laughs> That's what we do. Uh it Speaking was interesting. of
0: knowledge, uh, I also want to check in because we haven't had you on since Halo 5 launched. And I wanted to kind of check in. There's been a lot of content, even recently. You guys are still releasing content for Halo Five. How is that going? And what's your experience been in the last few months of, of Halo Five?
2: Oh, it's it's actually going really well. Um, I'm it's I'm really proud of the team and sort of our live effort. We've We've gone, we've had monthly updates um, pretty much since we've launched uh, up until this last big one that we had in June with like with the, with the firefight stuff. And uh, it's been, we've been off more than we could chew, uh, I'll say. And the team has been working really, really hard since we launched, which, um, you know, it's hard to launch a game and then keep working on a game um, that whole time. But yeah, actually, it's been going really well. And we... We, uh, this isn't, you know, definitely not a a plug or anything, but we're really proud that like all our maps and stuff are free. So, um, so we have, you know, a bunch of other stuff that comes with it. Uh, it's been, yeah, it's been, um, it's been a big learning experience for us for sure, but, uh, it's been, been going well. And you guys are still
0: continuing. There's more stuff planned and. Yeah, we have,
2: we have a few more updates coming. Um, it's going to slow down a little bit, but, uh, as we look to the future, but, uh, but yeah, um, still, still, um, still going, you know. Doing the live thing, very cool. All
0: right, guys, uh, let's get into the show proper and start the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the. Story Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories by using our hashtag on Twitter, that's dlc s o t w, or by visiting our subreddit, which is 5 by 5 dlcredditcom Great stuff happening there all the time. And you can also submit emails to us. We're at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. i got some emails coming up later in the show from some listeners, so uh, we encourage that. Love hearing your feedback on the show. Uh, but Tim, you are a guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week?
2: So as much as I really want to pick the StarCraft HD, I, I, didn't, I hadn't read the, uh, the MMO um, Tibia story until you guys surfaced it for me, and that sounds crazy. I'm a huge MMO fan. Um, I've loved all of them or most of them. Still play WoW and <laughs> – just when I read that, it just cracked me up on on that guy getting to to level nine ninety nine, and then he disappears. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was like, what is that all about? So. I don't know. It's just a weird story of the week for me, but I had to pick it because because it's such a wacky thing.
0: This might be my favorite story of the week as well. Uh, this was submitted to me uh, or to us by uh, Dan Amon, who sent it uh, via email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. And uh, it's, just, it's an article that uh, Patrick Klepik wrote for his new position at Vice Gaming, and uh, it's fascinating. So this MMO Tibia, which has been around for 20 years. one of the oldest... MMO is still being played. And I guess it has a pretty healthy... Player base still after 20 years, they say 12,700 people are still playing Tibia right now, which is.
2: Yeah, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, for a 20 year old game, that's pretty insane. Uh, you know, it's not, you know, it's not crushing it on the numbers, but the fact that this game is still being updated and still being developed and people are still playing it and the community is still active. Well, there's this one fella <laughs> who's really playing it. And the, the, the crazy thing about this MMO Tibia is that there's no level cap. You can level forever. They're not going to stop you. But Uh. just like in a lot of role-playing games, the calculation for the next level's XP requirement is just um, an equation. It's just uh, exponentially more than the one before it. So – uh, Like, for example, to get from – where is it? Level 1 to 145, you need 49 million XP. (laughs) Okay? So the most XP you can get on one character, one kill, is a boss that drops 35,000 XP. Okay? So – to get, let's say, for, for example, from level 49 to level 50, you need 112,900 XP. So almost 113,000 XP, and one kill only gets you 35,000. So you've got to do that a few times, and I'm sure that's not easy. It's a big boss. It's the highest character in the game. So there is this door that exists in this MMO that they put in 20 years ago that – or I don't even know. If it was right at the beginning, but it's been around a long time that said you can only use this door, you can only go through this gate if you are level 999. And that is ridiculously impossible. And yet, this guy this week did it. He got to level 999 in Tibia to give it some perspective. Uh, this guy's name is Karshek, by the way. He goes by Karshek because it's in game character. Uh, so. To get from level 998 to level 999, you, get, you need to have as much experience as going from level 1 to level 145. So you need to get that 49,650,700 experience just to go from level 998 to level 999. The next highest ranked character in the game is 60 levels below this dude. <laughs> so he, it took him nine years of playing this game. And he finally got to level 999. Oh, by the way, side note, one of the aspects of this MMO tibia is that if you die in-game, you lose XP. So that makes it even harder. to. It's not like, you know, if, if he does something wrong, he will lose some XP along the way. So it's a little challenge, even more challenging. So he gets to level 999, and as Tim referenced, he went through the door... <laughs> And no one has heard from him since.
2: I love it. He goes radio silence. Yeah. He's either super pissed or.
0: (laughs) yeah. There's just a sign on the wall when you go through the door that says you've wasted your life. (laughs) No, he's
2: he's actually working on goddess now for, with millennium. Yeah. It was the reward. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Right. Uh, Well, the devs have said that they're respecting this guy's decision. Like he achieved it. They're not going to say what's behind the door. They're not going to, they're going to let him decide whether, you know, he wants to reveal to the world and he hasn't. Um, It's pretty, this is pretty crazy. As a developer, do you like the idea that there is this like crazy unattainable carrot at the end of a ridiculously long stick and that somebody's going to do it?
2: I do. No, that's why I chose this because we love that stuff. That's what, that's, you know, that's where Easter eggs kind of come from. And there's, there's stuff in, um, in Halo five that people still haven't found, you know, that, that some, some designer or somebody put in there and we love that. stuff I love that this one was so front and center and advertised by them, you know, and I just, I hope they had a plan from the beginning on what, (laughs) well, what it was going to be. Um, yeah, I just, it's so, it's so awesome because players, you know, they'll, they'll go all the way. You give them that, you give them that care, they'll find a way to do it. Jeff do you remember in Wow uh, sorry to interrupt, do you remember in Wow early on they had they used to have um like skeletons working working like on certain tunnels in the game kind of for areas that were not open yet, yeah, yeah, I just love that notion of like this concept that you know eventually something like that you know will open up
0: right right, totally. Um, it, it also reminds me, this story also reminds me of uh, Ready Player One. If I don't know if you've read that. But the the idea behind that book is that this game designer died and left his fortune to someone and it is in a ridiculously difficult part of the game and it's this global hmm. quest. It's sort of Willy Wonka, you know, this global quest to find... The golden ticket, so to speak, uh, in the in the game, and this is kind of that in the real world. Like this guy did it, and it uh, well. Whereas this isn't a mystery; it was just work in equals success. He put the work in. Um, pretty crazy, yeah. Christian. What do you think of this?
1: Well, yeah. Hi, this is uh, Christian Spicer, investigative reporter for the DLC podcast. Tim, you had mentioned that there are secrets in Halo Five still yet to be undiscovered. Can I get a confirmation that Master Chief's desert cloak is somewhere in the game? Is that <laughs> Did we get a Desert Cloak confirmation?
2: Wow, that's some some pretty good reporting, I got to say.
1: Thanks. I'm uh, I'm working at Vice now also. um, Oh, nice. Good job. (laughs)
2: Congratulations.
1: Thanks so much. Um, Please know that was me making fun of myself, not making fun of uh, anyone over at Vice. I would not be able to do the investigative reporting that they do. I think that this is awesome. I think it's insane for me personally to – I am too much of a moth to a flame with a new game. I would see that and be like, oh yeah, buddy, level 999 here. Ooh, Warcraft. And then I would run away and, and never go back to this game. But I, I think I mentioned this, you know, way back when, when, you know, Jeff started dabbing his toe into MOBAs. I am envious of people that have their game and that commit to something. And maybe this player, Um, he or she has other games that they spend time with too, but I am always envious of the people that commit to the thing or or run, you know, 10 seasons of Madden in between Madden releases and stuff like that. Like that is really, really cool. And I wish I had the commitment for anything like that other than my family, which I'm currently on uh, year 13 and I've yet to get through that door. So maybe, (laughs) well, maybe soon.
0: I I think this is pretty, uh a pretty positive story overall. It's a, it's a cool thing to think somebody did this. And the idea that he didn't do it for any personal gain, like he didn't get on the internet and be like, I know what it is. Everybody look, follow me on Twitter or whatever. He literally just kind of like did it quietly and then, you know, succeeded and moved on the dark side of this story was, which really makes me sad is that deep in this article, Patrick mentions that while he, when he sort of got notoriety and when it became clear that he was getting pretty close to 999, a bunch of people would go into the game with him and steal his high XP kills and try to like mess him up and prevent him oh, from doing geez. it. And it's like, come on, why do they, why do people have to ruin everything? Seriously, yeah, that's so annoying.
2: Yeah, it kind of reminded me of the 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 old um, Ultima Online story when um, Lord British showed up, you know, and yeah. and, and that whole fiasco. But I, I I love this story because I feel like deep down I am like this guy like if if i had infinite time and they put that challenge in front of me i would go after it you know and and i didn't have you know other things other obligations right because that just it scratches it pushes just all my buttons it's interesting
0: yeah he's sort of living the dream in a very specific way (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly uh christian what do you got for a story of the week
1: it's just a news tidbit again coming out of the the hot um outlet that is becoming vice Game gain- gaming and it looks like the rumors are september 7th which is my little brother's birthday so that's probably why it's happening then day before s- my child is due oh so you will be uh eagerly awaiting this uh announcement as well <laughs> um it looks like the rumors are sony is going to have a press conference unveiling the PlayStation 4.5 or Neo or whatever you want to call it, they'll be having it in New York and it's kind of multiple sources have confirmed this to vice. And it looked like it was a French video game site that kind of reported it first. And then vice was like, okay, well, yeah, we've heard all this also. Let's get our post out there as well. Uh, I think this is interesting because if this thing is being unveiled in September, you know, kind of right around the corner, I'm curious if it's going to come out You know, what the launch is, the original rumor was it was kind of looking to come out around the time of PlayStation VR, even though you don't need it to run that. Um, But the end of 2016 is a window that is quickly closing. So I'm curious if they do a September unveil when they try to trot this thing out with, you know, the monster that is Morpheus. um, I'm sorry, Scorpio. (laughs) Too many code names. But the monster that is the Xbox One Scorpio. Um, hanging out at the end of 2017. It's a, it's an interest. And then also the NX maybe coming in March. Still question mark. Yeah. It's an interesting time for a lot of expensive hardware releases getting dropped, maybe close together.
2: Yeah.
0: It's interesting <laughs> because I think everybody assumed that uh, this, you know, PlayStation 4k or Neo or whatever you want to call it was going to be announced at the Tokyo game show. But this news bit seems to indicate that it will happen before the Tokyo game show. Um, and you know we we already have the Xbox 1 4K it's uh, the S is out you can purchase it um i tempted but that oh, I thought
1: you were going to say you
0: did i was like um, oh no <laughs> well, the, the reason i bring that up is because i probably would have if i didn't know that hank scorpio was coming out <laughs> <laughs> and i and i which leads me down the next path which is like there's nothing to say that playstation isn't Prepping their Scorpio, their sort of next big leap, and they're just not telling everybody like Microsoft did. They're just saying, "We'll buy this one too," and then we'll we'll tell you later about the other next one you can buy. And I, I mean, I know uh, Tim is a first party Microsoft fellow, but uh, it does seem like strange. Like the literally, if I didn't know that Scorpio was coming, I would
1: would have probably gotten the Neo because I do have a 4K TV. So. But then would you have been angry if let's say the end of twenty seventeen Scorpio dropped? And Tim, yeah, please stay quiet. I'm not gonna ask you any questions. Stay quiet. I don't want to <laughs> get Tim in
2: trouble. I'm not even here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: no, but would you be would you be angry, Jeff, if it launched like a stealth launch end of twenty seventeen and then you were like, I just bought a Yeah, a I would. S. I
0: totally would, but it doesn't mean that Sony's not doing that.
1: that's true they uh they've had some bad hardware launches along the way like they've done some great stuff with the playstation 2 like really taking the dreamcast thunder like the dreamcast came out and Tony's like cool bro check out this party coming a little later all the hot guys and gals are there and you were like that does look like a great party (laughs) (laughs) uh i don't know i don't i i i had heard a bunch of stuff and you and i have talked offline and uh i was able to talk about everything that I had heard. I got clearances from stuff, just don't say names or whatever. And I made the mistake of like posting it on NeoGAF, which I love NeoGAF, but people were just very mean and like, you're an idiot. There's no way that, well, give me a sort. And I was like, dude, this is a, I, I'm not going to PDF you the freaking plan that I have. Cause I can't do that, but whatever, it doesn't matter, whatever. But like rumors and stuff and this stuff changes so quickly. Like I know for the Xbox one's launch, you know, I saw stuff that was ready to go to retail that never went to retail. You know what I'm saying? Like, sounds like you got bad sources, Christian. <laughs> right, exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's really bad sources when you see pallets of stuff that exist that don't happen.
0: Well, also this week, Phil Spencer tweeted that uh, in response to someone asking him if people are working on Scorpio stuff, he said, yes, hardware, platform, and games. Oof. So, Tim...
2: oh why am i on today
0: you are not able to say anything i'm sure but uh it's pretty exciting i mean 4k gaming as somebody who has a 4k set i'm definitely excited about that is there anything that you want to comment about
2: me no i mean no (laughs) no uh do you guys have do i forget do you guys have 4k tv i do yeah you do okay and I do, do you notice? I'm just Something. curious as a consumer. Do you notice a difference yet, or yes. is it? What's, you I draw.
0: do when I watch uh, ah, Netflix ah. streaming or Amazon Prime streaming in 4K, which I which I can do uh, because my television has like native uh, Netflix and Amazon apps on it,
2: oh. so I don't need to
0: have any other device inputting 4K to it. It just natively, you know, seeks that content. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I definitely can tell the difference between 1080P and 4K. Uh, and Christian, you've been to my house and you've seen, it's pretty impressive, right?
1: Well, I need, to, I haven't seen 4k. I need to come over because like of my, my tech friends who I love and trust, it's like you and cheap ED at, at cheapest gamer. And he is, a uh, owns a 4k TV as well. And he says time and time again, like, don't do it. Get the biggest 1080 P TV. You can like 4k is not worth the price, you know, more and more, it's you kind of don't have the option It's to not to get
0: it Buy a TV without 4k at this point. Like you it's Yeah. it's hard to get one.
1: But he says you know he can't really tell a difference. Like he and his wife, and he has people come over, and he's kind of like, eh, I mean, I guess, but he's not seeing the huge jump. But then every time you talk about it, you're you're kind of raving about. It. I also heard Tim's dog start barking. I think the Microsoft black suits showed up just,
2: <laughs> <laughs> just in case. <laughs> yeah. I have five minutes, and then disappear. <laughs> well,
0: I think the, I think the kind of content that you will you will see the biggest difference in is gaming content. Is you know.
2: Mm-hmm. You,
0: pixels and uh you know uh, polygons i think uh, video is you got a whole bunch a range of things affecting that like what did they shoot it on what it's co- how is it compressed all that stuff sure if you're being rendered in that resolution natively and displaying it on that television that's i think is going to be the most impressive way to see it
1: this is a total side note did you guys see that picture i can't i don't have the link because i wasn't planning on mentioning it but the, the witcher 3 screenshot that was taken with ansel or whatever the um, nvidia yeah uh, screenshot to it was like a thousand or a million pixels or whatever. And it starts off as just like scenery. And then you can zoom in all the way and you can see the loaf of bread <laughs> in the room behind him. Yeah, It's insane. Oh no, I haven't seen that. Oh. I'll see if I can find the link when someone else is, is chatting, but it's, it's crazy. And apparently with, I think it's Ansel's what it's called. Like you can render a picture at any, you know, pixel amount you want. It just have the time. So set your computer for, you know, to render for a week or whatever and co- <laughs> come back and get this thing. It's crazy. Well, I
0: think both of you guys uh, picked great stories, but I think you're ignoring sort of the biggest story, which is uh, all of this uh, hullabaloo, I'll use. I'll use that word, hullabaloo, about uh, No Man's Skies being released. And uh, we talked a lot last week about the guy who paid $1,200 to get it early and was streaming and all of that stuff, and we went into that. But um, it turns out that he wasn't the only person playing it early. A lot of these retailers were breaking street date and uh, people were buying the game early and starting to stream it on Twitch. And then some outlets did the same polygon Kotaku. Uh, They were because they could, they went to the store and bought it and brought it home and, and uh, started streaming it. And then of course um, Sony PR got upset about that and started issuing requests for them to take it down. And um, there was a lot of, discussion about it. And then that leads into the fact that there was this massive day one patch that sounds like it's changed the game a lot from the experience that that early streamer had and that even any of these outlets that were streaming the game before it was released properly. Uh, Big, big changes, changes of the sizes of the worlds uh, in the game, changes to the sizes of the galaxy, changes to inventory. Uh, changes on how creatures behave, all kinds of stuff. The entire universe generation algorithm was altered. Um, And then that leads to an article that was picked up by a lot of these outlets uh, that was written by um, Rami Ismail, who is a designer from uh, Vlambeer, who basically kind of just wanted to pull back the curtain on what day one patches are about and how they're kind of inevitable in the, in the console era or this where we are now in the console era. And they're they're not a sign of laziness from developers and they're not a sign of some sinister plot to change your game or to make what's on the disc irrelevant or whatever. That is just a a factor of how things are certified and how long it takes. We certainly have the perfect person to speak to this on the show today. Um, I'm wondering what your reaction to all of this is. Uh, with this, with with how this has has unfolded over the past week, Tim.
2: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it is it is a tricky one to talk about because depending on what kind of game you're making, I have a what if for you guys that I I have no actual you know corroboration. I don't know anybody at at uh, at the at the company making No Man's Sky. Um, but <clears throat> I'm wondering if the basically you know before they blew up when that first trailer came out and kind of they got all that sort of attention and then sony you know kind of started you know backing them i, I don't know as you know exactly what sony's been doing to support them overall but it sounds like you know they've been definitely helping a lot this could have been this this kind of um i don 't know live or more sort of flexible uh shipping mentality could have been their plan all along really, and the big variable that shifted for them was that they became a big sony game, and um you know uh discs became a really important part of of their you know their new business model um and so i'm not necessarily trying to defend a big patch at launch, but i'm just wondering if really this is what they had kind of. They had planned on working on the game right up until launch all along, you know. And the fact that you have to press discs and you have to get that stuff out so early—that's a reality of manufacturing you really can't avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happened so so far out that, I mean, obviously, you know, we we do day one patches as well, and and it's it's definitely not something that um, that that I would you know defend as some sort of intentional thing. It's just people want to make the best game they can. And so they're going to, you know, they're going to work on until someone pries the keyboard from their, their cold dead hands and they want to fix that last bug. They want to do that last thing. Now, in this case, it sounds like the patch was pretty enormous, but again, my what if is really, you know, I wonder if from a development perspective, they had kind of assumed this cadence all along and the discs were sort of something that was inserted in the middle of that. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does. I, I, and it, it does seem like the path of this particular game went from, like, small indie developer releases downloadable game to this is a tentpole release of the year and yeah. a lot is riding on it. And I'm sure a lot changed along that road. Um, but I think your point is is a good one that the the patch itself or the size of the patch or even the amount of stuff it changes – doesn't speak to the game at all it, it It's just weird in this case because people were were playing it before the devs sort of intended people to be playing it. yeah, um and I think I mean, maybe you can speak to the idea of of a pressing a version of the game onto a disc that isn't the final version, right that because you need to do it three to four months in advance. Mm-hmm. you're not going to stop working on the game three to four months ago because it went gold. You're going to keep fixing stuff and doing things and adjusting. And it's, it's, all, it's kind of part of the plan from the start, right?
2: Yeah, ideally, you know, ideally you want... For us, it's a little different because because the disc... We we started with the disc model, you know what I mean? Yeah. Halo has, and so we may, we may think about it a little bit differently. We want that day one patch to be, you know, to be reasonable. But I still think that, I mean, if you think about... the the way that they design this game and the goals that they have, you know, fully procedurally generated and all of that stuff. And the, you know, small team, they've probably designed their tools and the way that they develop to be very flexible and kind of ever changing. Um, I would hope that once the game comes out, they're going to keep, you know, making changes to it um, for the better. And so this kind of concept of a date and time and, uh, both for launch, but also for the, the pressing of the disc. It definitely is months ahead of time. You know, they have a collector's edition that they, that they have that they added to their SKUs. And so that's even further, you know, in the past that they have to figure all that stuff out. So you got to get the disc for that ready. And, and just front front loads, all this stuff that again, I'm betting they had plans to add all of the stuff that you list in this big patch that people are kind of reacting to, um, I I still bet not having any information that it was part of their plan all along. And, and uh, I do this, this game overall, like listening to you guys, you know, listening to podcasts and how you guys have, you know, done a good job talking about it. One thing that bumps me out about this game is that this is a small, awesome team making this crazy game. And I feel like all the wrong things are being focused on with the game. Like, just let the game come out, be what it's going to be. And, you know, the anticipation sometimes really gets in the way, I feel like, um, and it's probably a weird perspective from coming from a developer, but I got, kind of, you know, I'm, I'm sure they just wanted to come out, yeah. you know, and have all of this behind them and, and, and everyone's playing an awesome game.
0: Yeah. I think, I think you make a great point. Um I wonder from your perspective as a developer, do you, are you looking forward to a time when we don't use disks? Is that going to be liberation for, from a developer standpoint of like not even having to worry about that?
2: Yeah, my, my short answer is yes, for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been, you know, I mean, I've been developing for 20 years now, I realized. And so the disc part of it, there's this, there's this kind of funny thing where that's too nostalgic to really be useful for me these days, but it's just sort of that, that concept of pressing a disc and having a box in your hand of a thing that you made is pretty cool and exciting. And the, and the, the lack of, ta- you know, the intangible aspect of everything digital is weird sometimes because it's hard to really wrap your head around, but as a consumer and as a developer to, to just kind of the, the digital aspect of everything, I, I think it's kind of a no brainer. I feel like, Music's already gone there, streaming, you know, TV content's already there as well. And it's like, and we're pretty much there. And I, and the whole kind of, um, the whole retail loop to all of this, you know, I think has to evolve, um, anyway. So I'm excited for that future. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know when it will completely come though. And
0: yeah, meanwhile, Nintendo is like stepping backwards into <laughs> cartridges again, supposedly. So, well, who knows? I
2: know. It's so crazy <laughs> to see that.
0: Christian, what's your, what's your, uh, perspective on this?
1: I mean, my question is, what is a disk in the sense that, you know, we need to get this disk out, but now they're playing the game as they you know, not intended because they don't have the day one patch. I mean, we had conversations about this way back on the Week in Confirm days where, you know, the idea that infrastructure in the U.S., you know, people don't have great internet. Some people are bandwidth capped, so you can't have full downloads only because people won't be able to play these games. Um, and, you know, all those arguments, I think, are still valid for a lot of people, more people than you might think. And so, you know, even without that, though, the idea of pressing a disk that then you bring home and need to do a 20 gig download for, like, why why have a disk at all? Why not just have a download card in the back package that you're buying? Like, is there some mental break for people? They're like, well, th- then why would I go to the store at all? Why wouldn't I just buy it digitally? I don't know, dude. Why are you going to the store at all? Why don't you just buy it? I want a disc to trade back in. Okay, Uh, that's that's the one argument that I guess exists. But could they sell multi-use download codes? Like there has to be some other thing where you don't ever need this thirty or forty gigs on this disc to begin with. And I think I think where it's going to go, and I agree with Tim, and you're seeing this already with. Uh, VR headsets, they're digital only. There's, I can't go buy a hard copy of Lucky's Tale somewhere. Um, you know, you go into the Oculus store, or you're on Steam and you're buying games. But I think it goes towards a record store uh, model where you're not selling actual vinyl, but they will sell cases that will have nice instruction manuals or nice contents in there that make you want that to have that on your shelf or be part of your collection. And then the game itself is, is a download code. The reason I like having boxes personally and tangible objects is I look at my shelf and I go, Oh, I never did finish, um, Thief four or whatever. And I see it staring in my face. So I'm like, Oh, I'll put that in and play it. Whereas like my digital collection, you know, especially if I delete it from my hard drive for space, I'll, I'll go back to get to that later. And then it's like a year later, someone's like, dude, the ending of Far Cry three was crazy. And I'm like, Far Cry three. I should go buy that. Oh, I have it. I've had that for four years. It's like just this different mentality for me of not seeing my backlog, or so not being invested to play it. But the idea of the disc is done. It, it, it's done.
0: I like what uh, Elinich in the chat said. He says, you, you guys realize we're all complaining about developers making the game better for us, right? <laughs> and that's the truth. I mean, I think that yeah. these patches just make the game better. and uh, And I think it also... Tim kind of brought this up too the idea that a, a a game is done and pressed and released is is dying that that idea is dying like games are now these evolving creatures that are you know we can buy them in early access we can they were released and then they change over time i mean we're going to be talking about world of warcraft in a little bit and the idea that that game is even remotely the same thing as it was when it was released is, is a mm-hmm. joke, right? These things are living creatures and even Halo five is, is continuing to evolve and change and it. And, um, all of, all of the idea of a, of a finish line for this stuff I think is going away. So maybe that'll have something to do with it too. Um, a couple of other stories I want to hit on, uh, real quick, but let me uh, take a second first and thank our sponsor Casper. Casper is a sleep brand, and it's it, they created it to, to make the perfect mattress for customers. And here are the problems that they identified. First of all, it's annoying to buy mattresses. They're expensive. Going to the store is is really ridiculous. The idea that you would go to a big mattress retailer, lay down on a mattress for a couple of minutes, and decide whether you want to sleep on it for years is kind of, on the face of it, just strange and it doesn't make any sense. So what they decided to do is remove the big store from the equation, sell it directly to you on the internet, allow you 100 nights to test out your mattress, make sure you like it, and give you a complete money back guarantee on that 100 night home trial. So what you can do is you can buy a mattress for a lot less money because they're not paying for that big warehouse and you can sleep on it, test it out, make sure you sleep comfortably, you like the mattress. And if at any point during that 100 nights you decide against it, they will come to your house, pick it up, and remove it. Complete risk-free. Give you your money back, it's great. And mattresses, uh, you know, these mattresses are, they can be expensive at these at these big stores. $1,500 for a mattress. Casper mattresses cost $500 for a twin, $800 for a twin XL, $750 for a full 950 for a king. This is a much much less expensive mattress. They're super comfortable. They come right to your house in a, a neat neat wrapper. They just kind of unfold before you. And if you don't like them after 100 days, they'll come to your house and pick it up. No questions asked. It's pretty great. Not only that, shipping is free, and we're going to give you a discount we're going to give you a discount by using our promo code. All you got to do to get $50 off your mattress is go to casper.com slash DLC. That's caspe rcom com slash DLC. Use the promo code DLC when you check out. They'll give you 50 bucks off. So it's even less expensive and you can sleep soundly. And, uh, you know, you're, gonna, you're not going to be sleeping a lot when you're playing games like No Man's Sky that are big and long and, all-consuming, but when you do get those Z's, you're going to want to have a comfortable mattress to sleep on. So go to Casper.com/DLC, use that promo code DLC, and upgrade your sleep right now.
2: We got one. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's right. You did. I remember we read your <laughs> we read your tweet on. And how do you like it?
2: Love it. Love it. Yeah. My wife is just loving it. Um, awesome. I've become awesome. a DLC shill or something. Cause, uh, I went to Mac Weldon. We got a Casper. Yeah. I used oh, I'm so I pleased. I out a reason to use Linode now. <laughs> hey, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, awesome, man. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, it's so- good. It's really good. It was an easy process for sure.
0: Um, listen to Tim Longo and get a, uh, get a Casper <laughs> mattress, casper.com slash DLC. Um, all right, there's a couple of stories, actually, that, Tim, you brought up uh, that I wanted to hit on. First of all is this uh, – it sounds like a pretty solid rumor that the that BlizzCon this year is going to include the announcement of StarCraft HD, which, to my knowledge, is the first time that Blizzard has done an HD remake of any of their properties. Uh, yeah, StarCraft is, what, 19 years old now, something like that? And uh, this sounds like a pretty big deal. StarCraft is still a big game in Korea. Uh, to update the graphics, update the interface, and create a, a new version of that classic StarCraft gameplay. I put countless hours into StarCraft, uh, But mm-hmm. and I'm sure you're excited about this as an RTS fan too, Tim, but I, I kind of wish it was WarCraft two instead of StarCraft, but maybe that's just me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm um, playing, you know, Warcraft 1 for for Dev Game Club and StarCraft 2 Legacy of the Void at the same time right now. And playing StarCraft 2 Legacy of the Void, multiple times I thought to myself, you know, they could just rebuild StarCraft 1 in this engine Mm -hmm. in their editor and it would look amazing. But I agree. Playing 1, I I would like to play, I would like them for them to do a, you know, to do a remake of 1 or 2 really because you can't, I don't think you can get those any like digitally they don't have don't maybe so they either. have two
0: and, but, and the fact that we have starcraft 2 legacy of the void kind of scratches that itch for a modern yeah good starcraft. point and there's nothing that scratches the itch of a modern feeling warcraft i happen to think warcraft 2 is the best of the series i know people love warcraft 3 but for me warcraft 2 is the kind of game we just don't have anymore uh, and that was the one that really made me love the series so uh, but we'll talk more about uh, orcs versus humans in what we're playing in the playlist segment. But uh, I, I'm I'm excited to see what BlizzCon has to offer this year. It's pretty exciting. Uh, and the other story that you brought up is um, you put in the in our rundown here is the fact that Pokemon looks like it's going to be banned in Iran. Um, what, what, what did you? Why did you want to talk about this?
2: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, obviously, I mean, you guys have been talking about Pokemon off and on, you know, the whole time. So, so maybe, you know, there's a lot of kind of weird stories coming out with that game. I mean, obviously it's a big, um, interesting new thing for our industry. And so I played a little bit of it um, some more this weekend and kind of just wrapping my head around it. But I saw this th- actually this morning, um reading it and there's when you I don't know, when you get to the point where governments are getting involved with with something this specific um, because of security concerns or something like that, it it is a it is a it's a game that is permeating, you know, kind of culture right now. And maybe it'll maybe it's a flash in the pan. I don't know. But this one just. You know, whether whether it be lawsuits or other governmental and there's other some some other government stuff happening in the US that I don't I don't think you guys have talked about yet with with um, Pokemon Go stuff. But they have um, what is the ministry of what is yeah, the a super um, creepy
0: name like a yeah, ministry of culture and something.
2: virtual yeah <laughs> virtual spaces or something. Yeah. It's just this crazy ministry that they have that, that I guess is is in charge of this stuff. And, ministry
0: of culture and Islamic guidance.
2: Yeah. Yeah, And then there's, um, yeah. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting that they would go this far, but they've also, they haven't been specific about what security concerns specifically they have. They've been kind of vague about it. Um, and I guess it's been pretty popular in Iran. So, so, um, so, you know, the, the public there is a, a little bit up in arms and, you know, there's political cartoons being you know um, drawn about this and such. So I don't know. I just thought it was interesting the yeah. scale that this thing has really gotten, and that this is you know obviously spanning the globe at this point um, as it's coming out globally throughout throughout the world.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating, and I guess that's the thing that happens when you add a location based system. When we're kind of moving into this AR space. I, you know, I don't certainly don't condone it, the censorship, but I kind of get it. Like if you're a, if you're an oppressive government and you want to maintain control over your citizens, a a game that sort of maps your country and <laughs> keeps exactly. track of all your citizens whereabouts at all times, I can understand how that would be a little, little scary to you. Um, so I can understand the why, you know, why a regime like this would want to uh, outlaw it, but it's and it's interesting that gaming is in that space in that cultural space yeah. of like a terrifying thing to <laughs> to political leaders
2: Uh, it's crossing lines at this point you know and and because of the physical space aspect of it you know and uh the the council that i couldn't remember the name of i found supreme council of virtual space (laughs) oh i want to be on that so bad. that's the name of their group i don't know why they felt like they needed that group
0: supreme council of virtual space i I hope they're taking applications because i i want to be on that council i hope we get robes (laughs) Uh, christian you gotta you got any feelings about this
1: no, and it makes sense. It's a app that's tracking people everywhere they go. I mean, people in the U S have kind of been like, I don't like this. And we kind of lumped them as a uh, conspiracy theorist, but I totally get it. And they also, I think the biggest thing is they're just, they have a rule that you need to obtain permission and they haven't filed that for that permission in that country. So, okay. I, I, you know, company doesn't follow rules to have product released in country. Yep. <laughs> that's the, that's the easy thing to me. I don't know. It makes sense. Cool. All
0: right, guys, let's uh, let's move on. Let's get to the playlist.
2: All right,
0: Tim, you mentioned that you've been playing uh, Warcraft: uh, Humans versus Orcs or Orcs and Humans, Uh, and that's the first Warcraft game. And you can hear you know your podcast talking in depth about it. But going back to that game, I'm assuming you haven't you hadn't played it in a while when you when you went back to it what 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 stuck out to you about going back and playing uh, a game from 90
2: what seven ninety eight 98 something like that uh yeah yeah 90 no it's before that actually uh it's it's escaping me that's embarrassing um yeah i mean it's it's been rough um brett and i've been talking a lot about that <clears throat> migration from turn-based strategy to real time, right? With with um, Dune and Command and Conquer and, and Warcraft being the early ones, and the the we've gotten pretty in depth about you know level design and and user interface mechanics and things like that. But you see, one of the things that's that's really interesting to me, being an RTS fan and, and a big Blizzard fan, is what I've seen in this original game that is still. Is still in their games, um, even heroes of the storm and even MOBAs in general, right? It's just some of the kind of the core paradigms that they that they still have in their DNA, whether they're conscious of it or not. Um, you know, just simple things like bottlenecking and and ability use, and you know, and I'm going to get a little too dev game club here, so I won't, no, I, won't I won't spend too it. much time on it, but but uh, but the micromanagement of it, I just I I forgot how um how much of those those things, those small touches are still kind of around and they've kept as part of the way that they are doing things today. And then the other side of it is also how far they've come, I guess, as a as a 180 kind of other side of the coin. Because there's so many little things that are not in that original game that they that I take for granted when I'm playing StarCraft II or mm. you know or a MOBA right now, just even usability things that that, uh, that they've improved upon. So it's really, for me, it's been fun as a developer and just as a fan, just to see where it's come, um, you know, from there. And, and I can, I can pick it apart when I'm playing kind of the modern version and the original version, you know, side by side. Mm -hmm. And then being a big wow fan, it's just, I I'm, I'm giddy when, you know, I see (laughs) Medivh as a 64 pixel (laughs) character Running around, and yeah, I'm that big of a geek. I love it. Um, It it occurs to
0: me, I I wonder if... um, You know, we talk about games that quote-unquote hold up over time, right? And I wonder how much of that is a function of the systems still being used today, like uh, the descendant Mm -hmm. of those systems. Like, it feels like it holds up because we're still kind of doing the same thing in games today, or it doesn't hold up because gaming has abandoned uh, you know a a manner of doing things and adopted a new one and so it doesn't feel like
2: it holds up yeah it fights playing this one now it definitely fights you because of the things that um that that is not you know that are not in there that they've modernized when it especially from a controls perspective because it's really it's a hard game to play now because the micromanaging is pretty unforgiving Mm -hmm. and uh um, but the core, to your point, some of the core um, pillars, if you will, or, or just kind of designs that I, I'm betting they didn't really even know they had at the time, right, of course. And hopefully when we get Bill Roper on, he can kind of give us some insight into that. But um, they do. There's some. There's a reason that that genre is, you know, n- maybe not exactly still around as, as full strength as it used to be, but MOBAs are carrying that torch forward, I would say. Yeah. Um, and you're right. There's some fundamentals there where just controlling things and, and, uh, you know, on that level and, and then that perspective, you could say that one of the things that MOBAs are so successful, you know, um, at right now is, is the, the camera perspective, which allows them to be very watchable and playable at the same time. And that's, you know, that's where that, those games started that, that camera perspective, um, for real time, at least. Yeah.
0: Uh, so what else is on your playlist?
2: Um, I, I kind of rattled through a bunch of stuff. I'm dabbling in a bunch of things right now. I'm playing Starcraft II, Legacy of the Void at the same time. I'm still playing Witcher 3. I think I was playing Witcher 3 when I was on the last time. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) It's a crazy game. Um, Are you playing the Blood and Wine expansion or just... I haven't quite gotten there yet. Yeah, I'm still... I'm kind of OCDing out on being a completionist in the core game. So awesome. it's taking me forever. Um, and I'm gearing up for uh, Legion for a while coming out. I'm still a MMO geek. Yeah. So I'm kind of leveling up some stuff and, and uh, prepping for that. Well, let's geek out
0: a little bit on that because I reinstalled WoW Uh-oh. as well. And I re- re- uh, restarted my subscription, um, even with a baby on the way. I'm like, oh, how's that going to work? We'll oh, see. Geez. But um, – <laughs> Uh, I'm excited because next week I think is the or this week is the you know early access. You can start a, a demon hunter and and have access to that stuff. But we already have the big patch that basically changed every class in the game completely, messed with all the mechanics and added a whole bunch of new content and changed like added transmogrification into the game so now you can any. Item that you've ever touched by any character you've ever played, the skin for that item is now available for you to change the look of your character, and it's this like daunting pain that opens up that just shows like the reams and reams of work that all these artists have done over the ten-year lifespan of, of wow. It's like oh my god, you just sift through all of the different <laughs> skins for boots that some guy had to make. Uh, anyway, so what is your uh, are you are you have you played the new patch or what's your
2: only a little bit yeah i haven't dug dug into the transmog stuff um and i'm trying to actually get a couple characters up to 100 so i'm still playing a little bit older content to prep for that but yeah i mean so far the 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 rebalance and changes um seem pretty good i haven't you know i haven't noticed anything crazy yet but uh um i'm excited about the demon hunter for sure yeah how how far have you gotten in
0: uh i my my sort of MMO group that I play every game with, uh, everybody's diving in and deciding like, we're it's all in the planning stages right now. It's like, okay, what character we want to boost? Cause we're going to get right. a boost to a hundred. And what characters do we want to make sure we get up to a uh, hundred now so that we can get to hunt when it comes out. And are we going to play demon hunters and who's playing demon hunters? So I, I have my, my, my paladin that I've sort of had to relearn because paladin has such huge changes. And I have a fire mage, that uh i'm trying to get up to 100 that's was like a 95 or something on a server that i want to get up to 100 so i'm as you are, are doing as well it's all like like prepping for the new patch right the new expansion
2: yeah yeah i don't know what it is I, they still got me like yeah. there's been so many expansions and somehow i'm still excited about the next expansion this you know and this one i will say i have some skepticism because it's kind of the whole you know the illidan thing rehashed and I don't know how that's all going to play out. I feel like there's a little burning crusade coming on, you know, mm-hmm. here, but I'm sure it'll be much, much better, but I, I just, I don't know what hooks they've gotten into me, but I, just every time I come back.
0: Yeah. It feels like coming home again. It really does. I, I yeah, you know, I take a year or two off of the game and come back and it's like, Oh yeah. It's like a, like a comfortable shoe I'm putting it's on. It's familiar. Yeah. 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 Christian, how about you? What do you got on your playlist?
1: Oh man, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. These hooks are deep. There are two games. I have two PS4s, which is and also dumb. But like one, I take with me on the road and is in the living room, and the other one is in my office. So I have I've been playing Ultimate Alliance one on the one in the living room, and then two in the office. And it's like late at night, I have a hard time falling asleep, insomnia, blah blah blah. So I'm like, oh, what am I gonna do if there's only something? Okay, you win this round, Spider Man, and um the games still aren't good my opinion of them of these remasters the games themselves perfection uh <laughs> these crappy um ports of them are still crappy it, the fixes are still apparently coming but but not in yet i think i talked about it last week my favorite thing about these games replaying them now years later is the 90s comic book aesthetic in a video game that is pre the MCU version of all these games. And it's, you know, cranky grandpa white Nick Fury, just being a jerk for no reason with like no backstory at all. And, uh, I don't know. They're fun. And Electra also just like slinking around. There's like, it's like uh there's like sweet Valley high drama in it where it's like, why would I be mad at daredevil? I know that he dated black widow for a little while, but that's not why I think she's betraying us. Also. I can't believe he did that to me. And I'm like, this is great. <laughs> this is great. It's so good. It's, and that's not, way, I that's not
0: where I thought you were heading
1: either no it's so good and that wasn't that wasn't me talking right there i actually pulled an actual vo clip from the game like that's how it sounds um and spider-man is like uh what oh what does spider-man say he's like his quips are just they're like spider-man and his amazing friends quip but a little more sassy where he he says like oh you're talking to me huh neat (laughs) (laughs) that's the best uh, in the chat oh, room here,
0: it. it looks like. Oh, where did it go? Uh, oh, stats one says Spicer. You should try Tibia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> get back into that retro into, gaming. <laughs> yeah, get
0: it. Get on that 999 level trip, man. Go, go for it. What?
1: You might not know this, but if you upgrade all of your characters to level 999 in Marvel Ultimate Alliance, you can do it, but only because there's a bug in the game because these remasters are crappy. <laughs>
0: um, I have been playing uh, a bunch of Abzu. Uh, well, there's not a bunch to be played. It's very short, <laughs> but it's um, – have you guys heard about Abzu? It's the, it's the um, new sort mm-hmm. of I, – I would guess – you know, a lot of people are comparing it to Journey or Flower. And it definitely scratches that same itch uh, of just a delightful experience. It's just a relaxing, delightful journey into a beautiful world. And I definitely have space for that in my gaming life. I definitely have, you know, I, I play a whole bunch of Heroes of the Storm. And sometimes when I'm done and I'm frustrated and I just had a rough team, I can dive into Abzu and it's like this warm salve that just makes the day better. And so Abzu is a uh, underwater game. You play as a deep sea diver type. uh, And and in the spirit of those, you know, Journey and Flower, it it is just as enigmatic and sort of nonspecific about what, why you're there and what you're supposed to do. You're just in the world, and you're just exploring it. There are some light puzzles. Not really. I mean, there's some, like, you got to flip a switch to do a thing or go over here and discover a guy. You have these little, um, these little like, detached autonomous robot cameras that follow you around uh, that you can use for certain things that, like, open up doors, and you have to get one before you can go to another place. But it's not hard to find them, and the doors that they open are pretty obvious, and i'm sure there's secrets and stuff in the game that i haven't found but nothing feels particularly challenging the the hook of the game is just how magnificent it looks i can't even there aren't words in my vocabulary to express how gorgeous this game is and it's not because the you know it does anything as beautifully as for example halo 5 like i think halo 5 technically is just a more beautiful game but this It's because you're underwater and there's a billion fish and everything's colorful and you just want to be there. You just want to hang out and there's like a dolphin that swims by. And oh yeah, if you push the trigger, you can grab onto the dolphin's fin and he'll just pull you around for a while. And there's a meditate button. Anytime you want to meditate, Hmm. you can just meditate. What kind of game has a meditate button? Oh, well, a game like Abzu where it's just about hanging out underwater in a beautiful place with fish and these magnificent, gigantic squirrels. Schools of fish surround you and envelop you and push you through the world sometimes. And it's just fun to be there. It's just nice. It's a nice game.
2: It sounds like something I'd I'd like to play with my daughter. She probably really like, she's 13 and we played journey together actually. um, Kind of like, uh, you know, uh, controller swapping and it was transformative. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not exaggerating, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I don't think it reaches the, transcendent heights of 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 journey just because journey kind of had something to say about isolation yeah. and and, yeah. and that ending of journey is really powerful Absu doesn't quite get to those heights but it really is just a lovely experience and it's something like you're saying i want to experience with other people like i keep inviting my wife into the room like look at this look at this honey look at this it's so pretty isn't it pretty look at the fish uh, i can uh, <laughs> meditate and and be one of the fish for a little while um,
1: she's like yeah and you could also do the yeah. dishes
0: exactly <laughs> what happened um, jim adjun in the in the chat says is it only two hours uh yeah it's it's short but it but like those games it doesn't overstay its welcome it's sort of um you know it just it just it's just this lovely little thing and it's not a full-priced game it's it's well worth its price i would say and you've kind of never experienced anything like it that the the, the the amount of life all around you and the look of things and sort of what you discover. It's, it's a game that I enjoy because of the discovery. I'm, I sit down to play it for five minutes and I play through an hour of it because I just want to see what's around the next bend because it's so beautiful. And oh my gosh, look at that. Oh, look at that. I'll go there. Um, it's easy. It's breezy. It's lovely. The, my only gripe is it really deserves to be a VR game. It really deserves to be hmm. be inside that world rather than just looking at it. Like the, if if that game was in VR and I could just, you know, swivel my head and look at all the beautiful fish underwater, oh man, sign me up for that. I I, I would pay for this game again
1: in VR if they release it. Hmm. Uh, I have a, a quick question. Tim, what is Project Scorpio gonna be and when is Halo Six coming out? <laughs> yes!
2: <laughs> yeah he never caught me <laughs> off guard I almost answered I blurred, <laughs> blurted stuff out he cool.
1: thought we were talking about Abzu but no Mm-mm. <laughs>
0: again <laughs> Abzu's great guys really truly great I really really like it. I, 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 a, I mean Christian
1: do you have any intention to? I have interest but I, you know again gaming budget looking at um Money I've already spent. How I spent sixty dollars <laughs> on Ultimate Alliance. Yeah, sixty
2: dollars.
1: <laughs> how wait, could you? Wait a minute, sixty dollars. That's an S and a D. How could I? H oh, C okay. <laughs> uh, I. Oh Okay. That's why.
0: Backwards in Scorpio. By the way, that's how we. That's how we never get Tim Lungo back on the show, Christian.
1: <laughs> That's okay, I like his wife better anyway um, <laughs> Oh jeez That had a du- that had a not intended double meaning um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm interested in this game But I'm not going to buy it I
0: have also been playing No Man's Sky But I can't talk about that until Ooh. tonight So it's poor timing on our show So we'll be talking about that tomorrow I will say this Because people heard me talk about the half hour That I played at an event a couple of months ago I will say that the beginning of the game Is much better context for what you're doing than anything I saw in that half hour of just dropping me in the middle of the world. So, so I'm I'm encouraged. I will talk more about it uh next week obviously. All right guys, let's go uh, let's get a little VR up in here with our VR talk. Virtual
2: reality. VR. Virtual reality. Jeff's VR.
1: and Christian's VR too. Um, Christian,
0: it's time you're in, you're in the VR world with me. It's happened. We did it. We did it. And by we did it, I mean, you bought it.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, really though, I've been asking myself, like, why did I buy a headset? And it's mostly just because the voting has kind of been settled on our VR bumper, but now we need a new one. So (laughs) you want
0: to, yeah, that's funny. Uh, so Um, you got yourself an Oculus Rift and it literally
1: arrived like an hour after we finished recording last week, right? Yeah, I think I texted you. Amazon I did it. I went through Amazon because when you order directly through Oculus, it was like sixty dollars of shipping. And I was like, no thanks, Facebook. Um Amazon was like, hey, it'll be free. And by the way, it shows up today. I was like, woohoo! Um so it showed up early and I unwrapped the thing and I dove right in. And um, you know, people on my YouTube, which is Christian Spicer713, I have, you know, me going over to your house and playing on your Vive and then on your retail Oculus. And, but for my, I dove in and for my first home experience of my own Oculus, I wanted to go all the way, which I also have a, a stream of this up, but I jumped into a drift, which if you know nothing about the game, picture the movie Gravity as a video game. It kind of opens with you. Um, it's first person perspective and you're in your space suit and your, your space station has gone to hell and you're not quite sure why. And you're kind of the only survivor, it seems. And, you um, move around the world much as in gravity. That you know those little like psh, 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 kind of things, um, whatever that is called, uh, and then that system becomes crippled a little bit, and you are leaking oxygen, and so you have resource a resource management crisis. Of to move, it consumes oxygen. Standing still, breathing consumes oxygen. So you need to move around this uh, space in space. The space station is crippled broken space station collecting loose oxygen canisters and also trying to survive and get out and figure out what happened and uh it is beautiful but who doggy i sat down to try to stream for an hour was my goal i think i made it 30 minutes before i was um done i i didn't throw up and i wasn't sick the rest of the day but i was I was topsy turvy because this is XYZ access. You're floating through space using just kind of, you know, whatever that system is called. Like, you know, uh, little shoots of gas to kind of propel you. So once your momentum starts going, you're in space. Like it's, it's not stopping. And you fly past a oxygen canister and you're like, oh crap, well, I can just loop up and grab that. And then you loop up and then you're spinning and then you're doing a corkscrew and your brain's like, Hey dude, you're spinning. And your, your butt's like, no, it's not. You're still sitting in that chair, bro. And then your stomach's like, uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so you, um, you,
0: you, expended the money to get VR, and the first thing you did was try to make yourself throw up.
1: Well, I didn't think I was going to throw up. I put in my research, so I bought a few games. Um, I bought uh, Edge of Nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, I bought Void 21, which is kind of like an endless runner, spaceship, neon-y, music-y kind of thing. And I wanted something that was you know, like super immersive. It's also, I think, out now on PlayStation 4. You can play Adrift on the flat screen, but everything I read about the game, you know, we like, this is beautiful. The, the plot kind of gets a little clumsy and the constraint on your oxygen is a little troublesome because the world begs you to explore it, but you kind of can't because you'll suffocate. If you go off critical path, it feels a little too dangerous um, in terms of like trying to get the oxygen to get back where you need to go that's a vr fantasy right go float through space and just like look around and, and you can do like ev suit training i had my wife do that and that was she enjoyed it it was very relaxing like i wasn't planning on feeling topsy-turvy but i played for 30 minutes of it and i I'm, i've gone back and i'm gonna keep playing it but i can only handle about 30 to 45 minutes before my vr legs are are, are done but it's it's incredible. Have you played it at all, Jeff? I haven't played it at all.
0: No, I'd, I'd heard it was uh, uh, nausea-inducing, and I kind of avoided it. But it does look really pretty. Um, it feels like not a experience I want to have seated. It feels like a it needs to have full room scale in order to
1: not be... Q-Q. well it is vive it's on vive now we're coming soon i think it's out now on vive with touch controllers and that you know the rumors are updating it for oculus as well but i don't think room scale saves this from yeah. feeling that way because you can't do it right there in the title. right you can't do a corkscrew in your room right like you need one of those yeah. zero g suits or whatever but uh it's incredible
2: was this game originally a drift was it originally designed for vr or did it was it kind of in Tandem, do you guys remember I think it was tandem?
0: Yeah, they because it is yeah. available non VR, uh, yeah, and it's a right. pretty short game. If I understand, but a lot of people, the, the buzz that I've heard about this because I was considering buying it too because I need to try everything VR. Um, the buzz was that there's a mode that unlocks after you finish the game that removes all of the um like oxygen requirements because the game is constantly asking you to get oxygen tanks to not mm. die, and everyone says that when you unlock that. It's really fun. Like it's, it's just right. a sort of hang out in space simulator. It's really nice. But because there's a, a need to get oxygen and, and before you die, it makes the game nausea inducing because you're constantly trying to move forward and move a lot. If you could just hang out and not have any pressure on you to move, you'd be much better
1: right Mm. you have a timer a ticking timer so you're like pushing your luck trying to get to something and then i had a thing where i had an oxygen tank and i consumed it and then uh, the you know you you discard it and he kind of throws it away or the player throws it away and it hit the one i was going for and it's you know physics based and this thing's spinning out of control (laughs) and i'm like no and then i start corkscrewing and then i was i was done but once i unlock it i plan on finishing the game you can come over and uh just float around because it is it's it's impressive. It's really impressive. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sensitive to that stuff. So I feel like, but, um, <laughs> great. Then I'll film it. Perfect. <laughs> a while
0: back, you mentioned, uh, that we would love to play games developed by people that like the show or that, you know, small, small folks that have games that listen to the show. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, somebody reached out to me about a VR game that they developed, and their fans, of the show, uh, and the game is called belly bots. It's on vive. And I, and I checked it out. Uh, it's really fun. Granted, it is very simple and it is very much a, the kind of experience that we're getting a lot of, especially on Vive right now, which is wave of enemies to shoot. But this one does it really, really cool uh, in a really, really cool way and with a lot of character. The idea is that you know, you're it's sci-fi, you have laser pistols, uh, each hand has a laser pistol, and you're in a series of how do I describe it? It's like you're standing on a pedestal and then pedestals appear around you and on those pedestals will teleport in these belly bots, these robots that you have to destroy and they will shoot at you after a time. But if you can clear them out fast, then you don't have to worry about them shooting at you. But the cool thing is that the the platforms that they appear on vary from level to level. So sometimes they're tall, sometimes they're short, sometimes they're far away and they'll be all around you. And since you've got two pistols, you can sort of... You're constantly on a swivel, you know, trying to shoot guys behind you, on the sides of you, and do it fast as they appear. Really fun, really fun, really well-made, neat implementation of VR. Again, wave shooters, first-person wave shooters, are very much, uh, you know, in in abundance on Vive right now. But uh, this is not a full-price game. It's a very uh, reasonable price point, and I would recommend it. I had a blast. It's, you know, you're just trying (laughs) to... get a high score, but it's got a fun like VO, like the belly bots arrive and they say fun things. And there's like a fun song. It's like belly bots, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's irreverent and silly and, uh, really cool. And I, I like the fact that a, a person who listens to the show made it pretty neat stuff. It's called belly bots. Uh, I also tried out room scale tower on vive, which is, uh, also kind of a wave, uh, fight enemies, but this is, the, the hook here and the reason I spent money to buy it, which I kind of regret, is uh, that it's all uh, photogrammercy. cheap. I don't know how to pronounce that exactly. But they use actual photos to create the environment. So it's photorealistic. Uh, we're seeing applications like the Mars thing that NASA's doing and the um, – Everest that you can now buy on Vive now, which I've tried a few at a few events where they're using, or even in the lab on Vive, there's a couple of like a mountain range and stuff that they used with like thousands of actual photos of a real place. So these guys did that, but they built a fantasy environment. So they took pictures of actual stone walls and actual castles and things and built this fantasy environment. Uh, And it looks really, really cool. It really works, but the game itself is pretty clunky they really doubled down on the whole room scale aspect of it. And only recently in a patch have they added any way to move other than actually move in your room. So this was the first game that I've slammed my face into the wall of my actual home while playing because
2: <laughs> Oh, serious? yeah,
0: yeah. You have to actually physically move to get anywhere. And again, I should say, I should have said this at the top. This is early access. So this game is not out, out yet. Uh, so a lot will change, I'm sure. But um yeah they really you really need a large space to play it. In. and with a large space I think it would be really cool because you really you know you really wander around this castle and you really pick up swords and pick up bow and arrow and fight skeletons that come at you and stuff and it looks great I mean it looks photorealistic it's really cool but uh the the movement for non-room scale like you have an option to add this sort of swinging arm movement that these guys developed where you you swing your arms like you're running to uh move uh, it's not implemented well, and it, it it's clunky, and the fighting itself is a little clunky. Like you're throwing axes and stuff that you can pick up. That half the time I just drop at my feet instead of throwing. I try to throw it at the skeleton that's attacking me, and it just <coughs> falls at my feet. So there's a lot of room for improvement. I think it's sounds dangerous. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, it is. I I slammed, I literally walked into the wall in my house, and my wife's like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "VR, VR, <laughs> honey, VR." It's alright. Um, so anyway. Uh, I think you wait, uh, I would, um, advise waiting a little on room scale tower. Oh, i this is probably another topic that you can't comment on, but I know that a year ago, E3, you guys showed an AR experience for Halo, uh, that was really cool. Uh, is there any ambition on your part or your team's part to sort of work in a VR or AR environment and put something out?
2: oh i mean there's ambition i mean nothing to talk about of course but uh yeah i mean we're definitely keeping an eye on it halo and you know would be a good a good environment for that kind of stuff but um yeah it's all all new to us that yeah that thing for e3 was you know a specific thing for for that e3 um uh, so yeah nothing nothing to say at this point though gotcha i do have a question for for Christian, a question for Christian, really quick though, um, that I wanted to ask when he said he he ordered his last week, but I'm 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 on the show, which is a rare thing, so I can actually ask you real time. What, um, why Oculus over Vive? Was it the room scale thing?
1: Yeah, I I just the only space in my my little LA house that I would have room for a Vive would be my living room, which is also where my girls play, and it's mm-hmm. very much a family room, and I don't want I you know my pc 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 is in my office and yeah. so i wouldn't want to take my fancy fancy pc and move it in there and then set things up i just unfortunately my office is is small and and wouldn't fit a vibe i love the vibe i still think um raw data is the best vr experience um or i should say game that i have, have played i played think the new like, version which is even better i know i know i keep waiting for you to invite me over and it never happens um but that's the main reason why I went Oculus over Vive is I just don't have the space for where I would use it the most. I think if I set it up in my living room, my play times would be pretty yeah. limited, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. All ah, right. Yeah, cool.
1: Just curious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: all right, guys. Let's um, let's carve out a little bit of tabletop time. But first, I do need to thank our second sponsor, which is Linode. Linode is a hosting company offering high-performance Linux servers for all of your infrastructure needs. Linode has it all. Lightning quick servers in the cloud, a super-fast 40-GPS network, automated backups, node balancers, managed services, guides with step-by-step instructions, a simple but powerful control panel, 99.9% uptime, 24-7 support experts, and all the tools you need to get the job done right. The very first time. And now, Linode offers two gigabytes of RAM for only $10 a month. Over 400,000 customers trust the Linode platform, including 5x5. All of the infrastructure on 5x5 is happily hosted on Linode. Getting started is easy. Just pick a plan, choose your favorite Linux distro, and pick from one of eight data centers in America, Europe, and Asia. Just visit linode.com slash 5x5 today to support the show and use promo code 5x5 for a $10 credit. Linode.com slash 5x5. Simple, powerful, reliable.
1: That was the best uh, Rickroll you've ever done. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, That's also called Jeff forgetting (laughs) that he needed to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Remembering right at the last minute. Uh, All right, tabletop time. Right now, right now. um, I'm going to start by reading an email, uh, because this email, uh, warmed my heart. Uh, it's actually from, uh, a fella that, uh, Jackie from Vancouver, whose email we answered several months ago, actually. Uh, he asked about, um, games that might be useful to play with his, his parents and they had already tried, uh, uh Ticket to Ride and kind of wanted the next step. So he wrote to fill us in on how that went. He says, hello, guys. Thank you so much for reading my email and recommending board games. It was a pleasant surprise. So amazing. I am here to report back. I picked up Small World after some research, and we all loved it. So here's how it went down. Before we even started, I told everyone, and that included my girlfriend's parents, her sister, and her sister's husband, that this game is more complex than (laughs) Ticket to Ride, just to raise their expectation. Also, my girlfriend played the DLC episode uh, with the part where you guys were reading my email out loud, and that really hyped it up. By the way, my girlfriend listens to
1: DLC now. That's cool. Our first playthrough. And this is where we say it. Will you marry him? There we go. We did it. We read the email. Congratulations. Oh, that's mean. That's just
0: mean. (laughs) (laughs) We're all excited.
2: Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: Uh, Come on. How could I not do that? Come on. (laughs) Our first playthrough took about an hour and a half because patience required that when you are playing with parents. Her mom ended up winning the game while I finished last. I took a survey to see which game they liked more, and it was an even split between Ticket to Ride and Small World. Thanks for the great recommendations. It's a great way to spend time with parents. And that was Jackie from Vancouver. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks for the update. We love hearing the success stories uh, on introducing groups to board games. Um, Tim, that hmm. you have an update to your Monopoly
2: story. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I don't remember exactly what we talked about last time with Monopoly, but I knew it. Came, I know it came up because I talked to my mom afterwards because she listened to the episode and we kind of had a chuckle over it because Monopoly single-handedly ruined board gaming for her whole life, <laughs>
0: and it, as it uh, has for many people, it's the biggest. impediment uh, yeah. to get people to try things is they have bad memories of Monopoly.
2: Exactly, her dad. I think I told the story last last time, but her dad, you know, made the family play every Sunday, and so she she hated it. And so she didn't force me to play it. I never was a big fan. But the unthinkable happened after the last episode between then and now. I don't remember exactly how, but my daughter came home. She's 13, as I mentioned. And I think she was at a friend's house or something. She's like, Dad, I want to to get Monopoly. I really like it. And I was like, what (laughs) are you talking about? This is not happening. We're not doing it. So I caved. We got it. And we were up – at Mount Rainier at the Lodge up there and we brought Monopoly and I brought Forbidden Island and I was like, okay, um, we're going to play both and this is me in my head and we're going to play Forbidden Island. She's going to see it's the superior game and she's going to have a blast. Oh. We played Forbidden Island. She uh was bored. She maybe hated it. She didn't say she hated it because she's too polite. Uh, and then we played Monopoly. She loved it. No. Well- and got super into it and <laughs> just this whole flip 180 and Anyway, my worst nightmare occurred, and now she wants to play Monopoly all the time. Well,
0: uh, I think a that speaks to uh, teenagers and wanting to go rebel <laughs> against their parents. I think, I think exactly. But you know what? Hey, if she liked, she had a good time playing Monopoly. More power to her. I, you know, you can't. I'm. I think that uh, people like me who get real snobby about board games can can make people feel bad for liking Clue and Monopoly and the old standbys. Yeah. And it's, yeah and even my wife is like can we just play scrabble and i was like you know what scrabble's a great game you know there's there's nothing yeah. wrong with playing some of those old chestnuts every now and again just because i want to play the newest latest best but um i will say this there is a version of monopoly that i don't just like i love that i think is a excellent oh. game and it is called monopoly go it's cards only there's no board there's no pieces it's just cards but it's Great. It's themed all around Monopoly. You you play with cards and you get properties and stuff, but the, the mechanics of the game are actually really strong. It's really fun. It plays fast. So in the future, if other you know, if people maybe you know want to play a version of Monopoly and you can track down a, a copy of Monopoly Go, I own I own it and I think it's really worth having in your collection because it's uh it's a really good game. So there
2: you go. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, I mean, we, we had fun, and I, even I had fun with it, you know, and, and sometimes you just want to play, like you said, one of those classics, yeah. and and uh, I don't know what it was about Forbidden Island. She, you know, she just, I think it probably was a rebellion thing. <laughs> well, that's
0: that's <laughs> the only bummer part of the story, right? Because I think that's a great game. But maybe, you know, some people yeah. don't like yeah. uh, cooperative games either. They want
2: I to... Think, I think the co-op thing was part of it, um, and I actually surprised myself because I hadn't even played Monopoly in quite a while, and you know, it's, it's not, it, it's not so bad. You know, there's some fundamentals there. We even talked, I know this is super lame, but we talked about capitalism while we were playing and we kind of, we kind of, as a family, we we're kind of talking about the sort of weird, I won, of course. And so I kind of screwed on, 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 all That's that. That's cool. But.
0: Yeah. Did you guys play it lit, like straight up by the rules or did you house rule anything? Cause a lot of people have weird, like house rules for Monopoly.
2: No, we just played it straight up, um yeah, and we found this other the name is escaping me. It's a Japanese I believe card game that's kind of monopoly like that I didn't put on the list um maru Machikoro. Uh, yeah Machikoro. that's that's actually they they like that one it's even a great more. game um it's yeah. simpler, faster yeah, so I, I recommend that one
0: awesome uh I had a chance to play the new time stories expansion this week, which uh i if you guys have been listening to the show, you know uh, I love Time Stories. I think it is one of the best games ever released, and it certainly was the best game last year that I played, even with Pandemic Legacy being there, Uh, just because it delivered the kind of experience that I love, which is those role-playing game, Dungeons Dragons-esque role-playing game experiences with puzzles and story and intrigue and having to think things out and remember things and combat and all that stuff. But... You don't need a Dungeon Master. The game is providing all of that, and it's really clever, and each of the modules that you buy is unique and different and offers new uh, gameplay mechanics. Time Stories, basically, you play as a time-traveling team, up to four players, all on the same team, and you're going back in time to a certain place and inhabiting these characters, sort of like Quantum Leap, and trying to figure out how to solve the problem of that time, and you're trying you're racing against the clock because at a certain point you'll be sucked back to the future and you can revisit the past and try and do it all over again and then you're you're armed with the knowledge that you gained from the first go round the the only um caveat with time stories is that each of these can only be played once because they're legit puzzles and legit story and there's reveals and all that stuff so you're buying a what are these like $25 expansions and you can only play them one time. So it's kind of a big deal. We, I get my team together. We play. The new one comes out. We get all excited. And we, like, make a whole day out of it and play. So the newest one is called Under the Mask. This is the fourth, I believe, uh, including the one that comes in the base game. Uh, this one takes place in ancient Egypt and i was really excited about that because i think that's a really fascinating time period to go back to and you're you know you kind of you're going back and investigating king tut's tomb and you're trying to figure out what to do in king tut's tomb and um, this was the first time stories expansion that i've been disappointed by and it's such a bummer um, the reason being is that the new mechanic they introduce in, in the game maybe there'll be slight slight spoilers but the new mechanic that they introduce into the game is that you can hop between characters. So usually in the game, you you jump into a character and each player has their own character that has its own attributes, just like in a role-playing game. Uh, and then you, you play through as long as you can. And if you get sucked back to the future, you can jump back in time again, but you'll and you, and have a choice of inhabiting the same character or a different one. In this game, you do that, but in the course of the trip back in time, you can also hop between new characters. And there's lots of them to hop between. And there's never really an indication as to whether you should or shouldn't at the time because you don't know anything about them when you encounter them. You just know that you're able to jump into them. And that was kind of weird. And then the thing that I love most about these Time Stories expansions is the puzzle solving. It's really, really fun to to work on a puzzle with a team and try to figure it out and, and think through it. And there is one, basically just one big puzzle in this expansion. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody that's considering playing, but there's a really smart way that they make you deal with the the, the puzzle. But then the puzzle itself is ridiculous. Like, there's no way anybody would solve it. There, there's no way. I, I'm legitimately saying there's no way other than just lucking into it. Because you basically have a one in three chance to solve it right just by guessing. And that's the, that's the worst thing about any puzzle, is that the only chance I have to get it right the first time is by guessing correctly? No, come on. That's such a disappointment. So this was the first one where I'm like, you could probably pass. I know that fans of ta- Time Stories like me are so anxious for these new expansions to come out because you you know you basically have one day of playing this game and then you have to wait for the next one. So it's a bummer to say this one is skippable, but I think this one is skippable. It's a bummer.
1: Can you uh gift the expansion or resell it, or is it like marked up like no. a legacy game? Or like, yeah,
0: you can, you absolutely can. It's totally something you could pass along to someone or or resell. Absolutely.
1: So I'm wondering, yeah, if there's a good. It seems like maybe cost might keep people from this game, but it, I think like you would probably be able to get them pretty cheaply. Then, if it has no value to you anymore, other than what you can sell it to someone else, I wonder if there's like, you know, you go to your local game shop at the. Do they sell used games? Yeah. I don't
0: even know. No, you can and there's a you go to Board Game geek there's a bunch of people selling used time stories things and I, that's cool and I uh, you know think that's a, a good way to do it. I'd like to support these guys cuz I want this game to continue so I'm I'm continuing to buy all these brand new but um yeah, there's. There, I really have no need for it afterward. I could probably hand it to somebody else because there's no way...
2: I've, I've had it in my hand multiple times for purchase and just keep keep not committing, so I need to... It's need to so commit. good,
0: man. I think you would really like it, especially as much as you're into role-playing games. It's it's such a smart system, and it's just a bummer that each of these expansions is so... It, it, well, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because it's cool that they're unique and different, and they add these new mechanics, and there's they're so... It, this base game can have that much variety potential in it is really neat. But um
1: it's a bummer when one comes out and it's like, oh this is the first one or it yeah. just was like, eh, meh. There's also what is it, the one, uh, Time Stories Monopoly, and it's when you go back in time from being and,
0: played from people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it changes everything though because his his daughter then turns thirteen and just flips out, like starts stealing cars because she doesn't have an <laughs> outlet for so it. She doesn't know what it is. It's an interesting story.
2: Uh, all
0: right guys that's gonna do it for this episode of dlc we do have our parting gift coming up don't forget to stick around for that uh but i do want to thank tim longo for being here it's always a treat man thank you for stopping by we appreciate it
2: yeah thanks for having me on it's great taking you away
0: from working on that halo 6 i know that that's a bummer (laughs) 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 Uh,
1: when you guys hear about that getting
0: delayed it's because of us
1: um <laughs> it comes with the day one patch. Yeah, and the day one patch is exactly one hour, 37 minutes long. I know what he was doing. Uh, <laughs> where can
0: people uh, find your podcast and keep up with your exploits on the internet?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Thanks for letting me play the podcast. It's sure. been fun. Um, yeah. At, De- at Dev Game Club is the Twitter, and devgameclub.com is our website. Um, at Brett underscore Duville is my partner in crime and I'm at Tim Longo Jr. with the JR in the end.
0: Cool stuff. Yeah. So, listen yeah. to it. It's really good show guys. It's really, really good.
2: We get pretty geeky and pretty, uh, game developer-y. So, you know, enter it, you and risk uh, in that regard, but we've had some great guests. So I'm, I'm really, I'm really feel that is a, uh, that. that
0: is a feature, not a problem. I, I think that's that <laughs> I love most about it. Uh, Christian, what do you got on your, uh, on your week's schedule?
1: Uh, if you're in L.A., I'll be on a couple of shows here and around, but the um, easiest way to see those is is Twitter, at Spicer. And then uh, jump on over to my YouTube, which is Christian Spicer 713 You can see the uh, first 30 minutes of a drift. I do not throw up. I do not, but I, there are some moments where I'm like, ooh, I don't know, guys. There's a lot of me saying that, me going— Oh, I don't know how long I've been playing, but I don't know, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then um, it's streamed live. I am streaming it VR live on Twitch as well, which is just Christian Spicer. I can't interact with the chat um, because VR. But then I, you know, I pop out and was like, oh, and then I scrolled up and, and chatted with people. Um, but those are two cool things I'm doing. I also have... Um, From time to time, people, listeners still, they they tweet at me and say they just discovered the marriages sketches that that we did, Jeff. Those are on my YouTube as well. And I have some more stuff like that coming. It'll probably be several months before it comes out, let's be honest. But that is uh, coming down the pipe. And then uh, I do a parenting podcast called Department of Parenting. Tim's wife was just on that, right? Well, her episode releases Tuesday, so we recorded with her before, but Tim's episode drops first on this show. But um, she's incredible. I've mentioned some of her books on this show before, and um, it's a really, really fun, I think, energetic chat that it goes all sorts of places, and it drops Tuesday, and you can find all of that at departmentofparenting.com. And then uh, Wombat from Gamer, him and I do a show called Uninformed Opinions. We don't—it's not every week, because— we're both busy with multiple kids, but we just had one drop very timely. Suicide squad just came out. So we did one talking about Batman V Superman, <laughs> <laughs> <Well done. laughs> but that is uh, called uninformed opinions. Jeff, um, how is your breakneck speed lifestyle going? What's popping? Oh
0: man. Week? So many ways to uh, listen to me talk about things, <laughs> including the slash Filmcast, where we just released our episode talking about suicide squad. Uh, I would, uh, I would, Venture to say that our discussion of Suicide Squad is better than Suicide Squad. It's <laughs> more entertaining Ooh. and fun. Uh, certainly less narcissist or uh, nihilistic. Uh, maybe more narcissistic, but less nihilistic. Um, <laughs> uh, so listen to that at uh, slashfilmcast.com. And uh, also you can listen to me and Christ- or, uh, Anthony Carboni make the funny at uh, wehaveconcerns.com. Also, tomorrow daily on CNET, uh, we're in our last few episodes of that show. We're, we're shutting that baby down, and we're launching a new thing. So getting well the, get while well the getting's good at tomorrowdaily.com. Uh, I will also say, well, let's just get to the parting gift. Let's do that. Uh, right now, we'll go to our parting gift.
2: Hey, give us a suggestion.
0: Okay, so Tim, do you have a parting gift that gets people through their week?
2: Um, I might have mentioned this one last time, but with all this Pokemon Go stuff happening, I have to bring up Geocaching again, which I am a fan of and Geocacher for folks. Um, It's wonderful that there's a bunch of virtual um, Pokemans out there that people can get, but um, little do you know, there are also maybe nearly 3 million at this point, maybe over 3 million geocaches out in the world that you can go. They're physical, they're tangible. you got to catch them all. You, to, to do that, you'd have to go all over the planet. Um, and it's just super, it's just a different super fun thing to do outside and, and kind of walk around with your family and get little trinkets. And and people are pretty clever with how they hide them, um, like extremely creative So if you're liking Pokemon Go, give geocaching a try. Yeah,
0: I couldn't agree more with that. And when you first start geocaching, the magical thing is realizing that Mm -hmm. there's this layer on the world that you were previously unaware of. It's almost like Harry Potter going, oh my gosh, magic has been around all this time. Mm Yeah. Yeah there's exactly. all this stuff hidden in the world and most people don't know about it and guess what now you do and you have the key to that little magical kingdom it's pretty cool
2: totally and and the thing is it, 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 the way that it's encouraged when you play is like you're not they don't you're not supposed to let people know right. you're doing it right it's you know it's honor system so rather than pokemon you kind of can tell who's playing cuz everyone's walking around with their phone this is a little more secretive. In fact, the people that don't know about it, you know, the nickname for them is muggles. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Christian, how about you? You got a, got a
0: parting gift.
1: Yeah. Listeners of this show probably know by now I'm a pop punk kid and um, I have fallen down, re fallen down the well of a band and I do not want to get out. I've been listening to the front bottoms nonstop. Um, I think they have three full lengths out right now. The most recent was in 2015, And it's calling it pop punk might turn people off as kind of a genre they've fallen into or they'll tour with some of those people. But you could also call it like indie or alternative or whatever. It's great. It's fantastic. They are called The Front Bottoms and you can find them anywhere. I'm listening to it on Apple Music, but uh, give it a give it a listen. What about you, Jeff?
0: The last few weeks, I've been forgetting to do our listener uh, parting gift. And so I'm going to do it before me so I don't forget. Uh, because we've been getting really good listener-suggested listener parting gifts uh, sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, this one comes from Tony. He says, uh, I wanted to throw in a comic book suggestion that not only works well as a unique parting gift for the show, but it also serves as a superior alternative to spending your time and money on Suicide Squad. I urge people to go out and read Gail Simone's fantastic work on Secret Six, the early 2000s run, not necessarily the new 52 reboot. It's a fun and daring comic that shows that a team of misfits work so well together because they need each other and have nobody else who can accept them. It has great top-tier DC character cameos, wonderfully balanced and well-written lead characters, including women, and some hilarious dialogue that complement the excellent action set pieces. The series has also been collected into a few paperback trades for convenience. Hope some people check it out. Tony. Thanks, Tony. That's awesome. I have not read, uh, uh, secret six. Have you Christian? I yeah,
2: have so not. Gotta check this um, one out. It's good. Oh, yeah. You have Tim. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Gail Simon's yeah, good overall. Right?
1: Yes.
0: Um, so thanks for that suggestion. If you want to have your parting gift on the show, send it to DLC at gmail.com. Mine is going to be a movie. I know most people can't see quite yet. It's not coming out for another week, but I need to talk about it now because I got a chance to see it early. And I just want to put it in your mind to keep your eye out for it. Kubo and the Two Strings. This mm-hmm. is the new uh, Laika movie, the guys who made Paranorman and uh, Coraline. I think this is their best movie that they've ever done. If you like The Legend of Zelda or Star Wars, you know, those two little properties, this, this is in that pantheon. It's, it's a story of a young boy who needs to fight evil and he does it by, you know, getting a sword and armor and conquering the back, going into dungeons, fighting skeleton. It is that, but done with stop motion animation. That's some of the most beautiful, uh, work I've ever seen. It, it is great, great, great. So fun. So imaginative, so beautiful. Uh, it is, it's great. So it comes out, I think next week or, you know, I'm not exactly sure the date, but, um, uh, definitely keep it on your radar and rush out and cd especially if you have kids this is so good so good
2: kubo oh wow those those two those two uh, references you made are pretty pretty yeah
0: i mean it's got its own unique world like it's a sort of a japanese uh samurai version of those things but uh it's great it's great All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Uh, Thanks again to Tim Longo and Christian Spicer for hanging out. Thanks to all the people that helped us with uh, musical bumpers, including Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star. Uh, Thanks to all the folks in our chat room. We appreciate it. You make the show better by hanging out with us. And thanks to all of you who downloaded the show and shared it with friends. That's how we get the word out, so we really, really appreciate that. Uh, We will be back next week. Oh, don't forget to vote, or register to vote, vote vote.org saying it all the way through November. All right, guys, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.